0: welcome to stripped money conversations welcome to a place where anybody can learn or talk about money whether you're young or whether you're old whether you're married to the love of your life or even if you are married to your career whether you have kids are planning to have kids or even if you're one of those people who just prefers pets whether you're established or just entering the working world welcome to a place where our conversations are not based on your bank balance no 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 but they're based on your unique needs and ambitions i am your host Lungile remember that this show does not provide financial advice these are just conversations between me and my guests but i'd like to invite you on the journey so you and i can learn together Today we're going to be talking about how the economic machine works. In most instances, we are affected by what happens in the broader economy, but we don't know why or even how. Today I have my favorite Somnoto aka economist to strip down how the economy works and how this impacts our pocket. I know economics is such a broad topic, but I thought we'd start off with inflation so that we can get to understand how it works and how it affects us at the end of the day. Ndombi Mbele holds a BCom Economics and Econometrics degree from the University of Johannesburg. She also has a Master's in Industrial Policy, so she's a perfect person to have this conversation with.
1: Welcome, Ndombi. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Ndombi. I'm very well. Awesome. So
0: Ndombi is an economist who always shares interesting topical content on her social media, So let's get into this. Before we get into it all, maybe tell us how you got into this field. I mean, most economists are old and gray.
1: So what did you find interesting? Um, So economics for me was a very personal decision. Um, I mean, I grew up in a household that was led by a single mother. And so some of the decisions and the financial decisions should always have to consider, you know, the bulk of her children. There was five of us. Mm. And I'd be like, why can't I get what I want? And then the question became, you have limited income, which is dependent on your parent. And I was like, okay, so this is interesting. So it means when there's a limitation on the amount of money that you have, there's a limitation as to how you can spread that. And there's also a limitation as to what you can buy from that. Mm. And so that, for me, was quite interesting. And it intrigued, I think, the, the, um, just the, the understanding of economics as a social science more than it is a matter of financial instrument mm. and more than it is a matter of very hybrid you know, investment decisions. It's a very personal social discipline. And mm. I think that's where the interest sparked for me. Oh, cool.
0: So that's very interesting, and I think it's a different perspective, because the moment you hear economics, you think money, you think I cannot understand this, but actually economics happens in your day-to-day life. So maybe let's start there. What is economics?
1: So economics is really a simple study and a social study on what a person desires and what they need to be able to meet their desires. Mm -hmm. So it is, if you have 10 rand, you want to buy bread and milk, are you able to afford bread and milk with 10 rand? So it really is just the question of the needs and the wants that you have, what takes preference and therefore what can you afford with what you have? So it really is just a very simplistic um, discipline around social skills, one, and Mm -hmm. two, around just understanding what, how to use what you have to get what you want in a maximum or to maximize that in the highest possible way for yourself. Mm. It's nothing to do with, you know, the very heightened view and the discipline and the graphs. Those things are just to illustrate and to simplify economics in a way that speaks to the layman. man. Mm. It is really just a personal discipline and subject matter that I think a lot of us, sometimes miss the opportunity of understanding it for what it truly means and what it is in our own day-to-day lives.
0: Absolutely. Um, With with that said, what are some of the economic concepts that you think everybody should know? I mean, I did economics in high school, and the first thing that I can think about is um, demand and supply. What are some of the things that we should understand in in our day-to-day living?
1: I think demand and supply are the primary forces of economics, as you rightfully allude. And in them, you, you, and I mean, let's maybe define them, right? So, demand mm-hmm. and supply is how much or how much do people demand of a certain good? For example, again, bread. I think it's a it's a very good yeah. example because it's a very steady product that a lot of us demand on a daily um, on a daily, um, you know. And so. When you look at, you know, supply and demand, how much of bread do we demand? How many people want to buy bread in a daily? And therefore, how much is the production of bread, therefore, is required to meet the demand for that bread, Mm. right? So say you've got eight people that live in a certain community, six of them on a daily require bread. And so therefore, that sets the price of the demand for the price of bread, one, and two, that tells the supplier how much of bread they are required to provide to the consumer to meet their basic needs and their wants. That's the first one. I think the second one and most important one that we never recognize as an economics concept is utility. Yeah. So how of that bread do all the bread slices, I've got bread, they say I've got 18 slices. How much of that do I need to meet my hunger or my desired satisfaction. And so then it then, you know, kind of speaks to the loaves of bread that a person would need to buy. So if my utility in my household, say we've got five kids and two adults, so that's seven households, therefore, if there's boys included, the utility that they need from bread will be, you know, um, subjectively higher than what a younger girl would need. Mm. And so therefore, the fact that you need to buy more than one loaf of bread to be able to meet that utility. We don't recognize this. We just send a child to go buy two loaves of bread, not understanding the economic driving force behind okay. that. Yeah. I think another, another you know, important concept of economics that we need to understand really is that of inflation, which we'll touch on, as well as interest rate. Mm. Interest rate really is just the price of money. So if I loan money from you, Lumi, and I say, right now, I'm having a bit of a financial situation. I need you to loan me a thousand rand. The risk that you take on loaning me a thousand rand with the likelihood or the possibility of me not being able to pay you back, you then need to charge a certain premium on that amount. And that's interest. I think that's quite simplified. And then with inflation, Inflation really is just the rise in the, in the price of goods and services and in the general price of goods and services. You'd see that when goods and services increase, they increase in a collective basket of goods. Mm-hmm. And we'll touch on this when we unpack the um, consumer price index numbers that came out just recently, um, alluding as to you know, what is the demand pattern in the economy currently, if there is. And number two, what are the demand pressures that are prevalent in our economy currently.
0: Okay, so you touched a little bit on um, inflation and how it affects yeah. the pocket. How would you then say that the rise of inflation can affect the cost of living? Um, can you maybe just unpack inflation a little bit further so that we can understand how it affects
1: us as, as
0: consumers?
1: Sure. So simply put, right, inflation is, as I've said, a general rise in prices. Mm. Now, a general rise in prices comes as a result of of an increased demand by the population. So let's start from the base, right? Let's say we have um, a booming economic um, cycle. People are getting jobs. People, the government is able to put stimulus into the economy and assist people that are in the low income spectrum, you know, and there's subsidies that are being given also to producers. And we are in a very favorable tax base, not paying so much into taxes. Mm-hmm. This will mean that Ulumi have a bit more money in their pockets to buy the goods and the and the, the goods and services that they want to buy, right? Yeah. Now. If I have more money in my pocket, there are two ways that I would spend that money. I'd either save that money or I'd spend that money, Mm -hmm. right? So that's just the basic income function. I either take my income, save it, or I buy, I I use it to consume. Now, let's put the saving aside. So if I consume and I say, I now have 4,000 Rand as a part of my disposable income that I did not have previously. I'm going to decide I need to spoil myself. I'm going to demand um, to buy, maybe increase my level of groceries that I buy every month. Maybe demand a new vehicle because I can afford it. Maybe engage in buying new clothes um, because now I can afford it. Mm. What that does, that it increases the price of that good and that services because I am now an additional unit or additional consumer that is demanding that good and when you say in an economy there's a general uptick right a lot of people have increased their income a lot of people are able to have you know the four thousand rand disposable income then a lot of us are able to then buy those goods and services when we do that we bring up the value and the price of that good and therefore that causes inflation right okay. there's a lot of money circulating in the economy I and mean, there's a lot of money circulating circulating into the economy for the reserve bank it causes concern that it will might lead to a devaluation of the currency cuz a lot of anything devalues its price there's a lot of like there's a saying that a lot of um, too much of a good thing is actually bad yeah because then for example um a car like a what can I use a very simple entry level car an i ten there's a high demand for an i ten because it's it's like um it's it's a very reasonable and affordable car yeah but when you look at when you go to more your luxurious goods, those ones because they are so like uh, expensive to buy, you need to be in a certain threshold to be able to afford them right and so the pricing there is also meticulously done as a part of um well subject to the demand constraint so now we've got a community of maybe say the the economy as a whole is now increasing their demand and therefore the price of goods and services increases that causes inflation Mm -hmm. and when there's inflation then the central banks who have the responsibility and are mandated to keep price stability as their core function in the economy then find themselves with the responsibility to use monetary policy, either through interest rates or limiting money supply in the economy to kind of halt down that rapid increase in prices. So they're the guys that bring it back into margin to say, hold up South Africans, you guys are now demanding goods and services at a fast increased pace. This is quite detrimental to the value of the money supply in the economy and the value of the currency. And so what they will then do is that they will engage in the market as a median to regulate the um, inflation rate that's there. Now let's bring it into context, Lumi, with what is happening with COVID. Mm. With COVID, you would have seen that the um, inflation rate in February was 2.9% mm-hmm. and in March it 3.2%. It's important to note the value that was in February because the South African Reserve Bank has a target of three to 6% with which the inflation is supposed to always be between, right? Mm. That's what we know to be a very healthy um, inflation target that we find to be responsible and we can manage as an economy. Now, when you have a situation where there's a global shock, such as COVID, you had the reality of, Inflation falling below the bandwidth of three percent, which was on two point nine percent. What this was indicative telling us as an economy is that households did not have enough goods, did not have enough funds, or income to engage in buying goods and services in the economy. And so, what we found and recognized as a result of that number is that households are constrained. Mm. They are not buying goods and services because they simply do not have the money to buy goods and services. This is also speaking to the fact that a lot of people got retrenched last year. A lot of people had experienced salary cuts last year. Yeah. A lot of people had had to move from fixed income um, to a more you know, consulting-based income, which is a variation where you sometimes get money from a monthly base to a three-month, four-month base. And so that number was telling us that. The imprint that we got yesterday of 3.2% was well-received because it was between the 3 to 6% reserve bank target. Having said that, it still is showing us that households are only getting back into their feet in being able to afford the goods and services that they could afford, let's say, two years ago in 2019. And so that is important to note because it tells you about the reality that South African households, South African families are faced with, where buying certain goods and services, like a basket, say, buying uh, maize meal, buying cooking oil, buying margarine, buying chicken, you now have to decide which of the four items do you let go. Yeah. And that's why like I said, and economics is not... is it, it's it, it cannot be looked into... As a far-fetched discipline that speaks about financial instruments only, mm. when its impact is felt deeply by the people and the citizens of any economy. So, I hope that simplifies what inflation is and why it's important, because mm. it eats into the amount of. So, if you have hundred rand and there's high inflation, that means the price of money is now higher, right? That means, Lumi, as I said, you have to decide between the four How items, yeah. which of the four do which one do I let go? And mm. unfortunately, it affects people that are in the low marginalized income spectrum. People who are domestic workers who earn 1500 not even below minimum wage. Mm. And they have to be the ones who decide, you know, do I fall short on taking my child to school? Do I fall short on buying a certain staple food, which is necessary, which is the most, you know, like a part of the necessities list you can't do without. But now because you are in the below income bearer, you have to find yourself deciding whether do you buy rice or maize meal. And so these are the conversations that I think we need to um, familiarize and contextualize economics to so that people and a broader audience will be able to understand exactly what it is as a discipline to them.
0: Yeah, it's as simple, I suppose, as um, understanding the value of your money and how much Um, of a basket of goods you can actually get with X amount of rand that you have. So Ndombi, what then happens when we have a high inflation environment? Does money lose its value? And what does that mean if you're trying to save for a rainy day? Because when a rainy day comes, then it means that you can't buy much because the value of your money has decreased. Can you explain?
1: Right. Right. So what happens when it's a high inflation rate you absolutely could find i think a perfect example would be zimbabwe mm. in zimbabwe you would need something as and i mean i'm going to use this word very carefully ridiculous as a thousand uh um, what do these oh, a, yes. a thousand zim dollar mm right zim dollar to only be able to get yourself 5 staple foods what is that telling you longi that's telling you that you have a, a high amount of money in monetary terms but that money when you use it to engage in the real economy actually means nothing mm. and that's what inflation does if uncontrolled by a rigorous and a very carefully managed central bank and so you are absolutely right in your question when there's high inflation your value of your money becomes obsolete when there's high that's why it must be managed when there's high inflation it means that i now move from buying something like a a, what do you call it a like a a packet of sugar right a packet Excuse me. A packet of sugar moves from being twenty nine ninety nine to being forty nine ninety nine, right? And so the margin there means that my hundred rand that I have is only limiting me to a certain amount of goods and services that I can buy. And particularly in developing economies, this is very um, contagious a topic because in lim- in, in develop- developing environments, you find that you have Inflation increasing, and if it's uncontrolled, it's met by households having a maintained income. So my income remains unchanged, but the price of goods and services are increasing yeah. far more than what I can afford. And I think that is the simplistic most Um, you know, realistic and relatable understanding of what inflation is. And so the instruments that the monetary policy would use um, to kind of, you know, curate what the environment of inflation is, is important for two things. One, when we engage with the international community, if the value of the rand has been deflated, right? And Mm -hmm. the price of goods in South Africa are now more expensive we literally are going to chase away our ability to export because it means if a company from china that is building uh, construction and they want to demand x amount of steel from a firm in our road and the price to buy steel has materially changed from um let's say units was 110 to 155 we are not the only economy that's producing steel. Mm. And so what that does is that removes our international competitiveness that we engage with countries like Brazil, with countries like the Shared Republic, with countries like India that are our direct competitors. And so that's why it's, it's you know, moving the conversation from an elementary household, but you move it to a more international competition um, and, and trade engagement. You mm. recognize how when inflation is not properly managed, it really does have dire consequences for the economy as a whole. And secondly, when you are in an environment of high inflation, you also scare off the investors because they say, well, if I'm going to go and build, um, you know, a factory in South Africa, my return on the investment that I'm putting in When I want to bring back that amount of money and I want to trade the number of rands Mm. to get my US dollar, need to get my return, I really will be losing at that margin. Yes. Because of inflation, because the value of the rand will not really mean much when you compare it to a country as stable as the US. And so I think when you look at it in terms of one, the exchange rate and two, foreign direct investment, it shows you the extent of, significance and importance that interest rate, that, that um, inflation rate plays in being able to curate an environment of sustained economic growth. Mm.
0: Bringing it back to households in Donby and using the packet of sugar as an example that you talked about, how do you know whether the price of sugar is increasing based on inflation or if there's any other forces that are, that are involved, like maybe the, the producer just is wanting to earn more profit?
1: Well. um I think, I mean, there is competition regulatory bodies that could assist us with that, right? Mm. Um, a a, a, a staple food like sugar cannot just, you know, willy nilly decide that I'm going to increase the price from thirty nine rand ninety nine to fifty rand yeah. because they understand one competition is, yeah. is a big consideration they have as, as, and two, they also are regulated by the state. Um, to ensure that they do not exploit consumers. So, we've got in South Africa the Competition Commission that looks at the abuse of dominant and monopolistic behavior, as well as oligopolistic behavior, that companies um, that are in, you know, perhaps there's only four of them in their own sector, how they can maybe collude to set a price that's higher than what it should be. So, we're very grateful that we've got institutions in South Africa that are assisting us in governance and regulating the market, one. And two, I think another factor could be the issue of, let's say they do increase the price. The reason could be in inflation, but as a result of fuel prices. So let's say that the brand crude oil um, is now increasing the price because of global demand, which is what we're seeing to be the trend, right? We're now expecting it to average around 64 US dollars per barrel in the year 2021. Coming from a really low base in 2020, because you remember in 2020, the world economy came to a halt. No yeah. one was moving, no one petrol. So the base is now up to around 64 um, US dollars per, per barrel. That means that the price of fuel, as we've just experienced, has increased. And for producers to transport the sugar from the initial stage of a sugar cane to production to getting it to the end consumer in a retail shop, right, or spa, they would want to want to push the price of that distribution, the increased price in fuel that they have to pay to transport it from one sector to the next. They would want to push down that price to consumers. And so unintentionally, consumers now find themselves paying higher Hmm. for that packet of sugar because of the consequence of fuel. And in as much as that is a part of inflation, that is an indirect Mm. inflationary pressure that consumers get, not from a demand perspective, but from supply perspective. And I think that's important for us to note that inflation is not only made on a premise of demand side pressures. COVID as a reality was a supply side constraint and a supply side pressure. And that's why you will find that fuel, as well as some goods and services, particularly um, if you look at cooking oil, we look at like a lot of food inflation components will be coming from a supply side and not from a demand side. So we're not demanding more, but the prices are increasing because consumers want to meet, I mean, producers want to meet their margins producers want to also push down the inflationary pressure and cost from either the fuel prices or the production that they've faced so consumers might also find themselves and in the current economic climate are finding themselves paying for higher prices of good of food as well as fuel which is not induced by demand. okay that makes sense
0: and now you've talked about the central bank and how it helps us in in uh, maintaining correct inflation levels. What do you think of Bitcoin and its view on destabilizing currencies and, as we know it? Because they've got no central authority. So what do you think of that? Yeah.
1: Interestingly, um, just last week, um, the European um, central bank bank um, What's her name again? I think it's Christine. I don't know how to pronounce her surname. She's the, the governor of the central bank in Europe. Mm. Um, she previously was the World, World Bank um, um, overseer. She, she was saying, uh, you know, in as much as people are excited about digital currency, mm. the issue here is the safeguarding of security. And because there's no central governance, when it comes to cryptocurrency, mm. there really is also no underlying asset to that backs up a cryptocurrency. Mm. It really does become one problematic because you don't know what is backing up your, the value of the money that you put in. Yeah. I'm so sorry about that. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is that is backing up the value of the amount of money that you put in. One. Two, when you put in something as simple as your banking card details to buy something you know online there is a verification that is either, either given by mastercard or visa that says verify your cvv there's a second factor authentication that says lungi are you sure this is you that's making this purchase yeah now when you look at an un, quite um, you know unstructured in terms of governance and internet security and profile security and dignity of the internet, you know, internet profiles of individuals, it is problematic mm. um, that the, the um, idea of central currency or digital currency is being explored without looking at those prior measures. I think if we can one ensure that we can entrust the digitalization of cryptocurrency number one yeah. we can then engage with it in a way that is safe number one and that consumers will also understand where the value comes from because of yeah. fiat money we understand that okay there's a certain amount of money that has been printed out we expect this amount of money to circulate within the economy that's with the fiat money the the 10 rand the 20 rand that i give to you there's an exchange it's physical yeah so we know that it, it and it went to lomi Now, with digital, in as much as we can want to trace, we have a very particular scandal in South Africa of Mr. Tokio who mm. finds himself, you know, in a world where internet security, um, supposedly, and, and information was given out from his own investments without his authorization. Mm. And so, that is the root cause of cryptocurrency going wrong. Mm, until, we can, surety, you know, until we can, with surety, until we can, with surety, trust the fact that my money is safe, if I'm going to engage in, you know, the digital currency environment, what I'm buying is exactly what I'm going to pay for. And it's not going to be translated into any more rents and cents then I think we definitely would engage that as a topic. I'm still quite a sceptic of it.
0: Um, yeah, me I, think too. Myself,
1: the, I think myself is well at the, the Reserve Bank, they haven't been saying anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not engaging it in any way or form. And so that quite tells you that they're not as interested as uh, most of the economies, developed economies in the world.
0: Okay, that's, that's very insightful. Um, Ndombi, what can somebody do to protect themselves from inflation?
1: I think what people can do to protect themselves, excuse me, from inflation, I mean, I, I would say to save, um, I would say to, and I, and I say to save in the most elementary of, of views, because what it means is that if your income is not able to supplement and meet your basic needs, right, at the rate that you normally would, then having something like a saving would assist you to meet the shortfall of goods and services that you cannot buy with just your income. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the most simplistic thing. I also think that we, in understanding that inflation is a more of a macro response to the economy, there isn't really quite much that I can do as in Ndombi to, you know, make sure that the price of bread doesn't yeah. increase or the price of it doesn't increase right it's quite exogenous to my day-to-day living but if I make sure that I've got also multiple streams of income quite assist mm. you know because we've also now you know we're in an age where we can be doctors and we can be um you know oh, working in the farm. Same yeah farm. yeah so we we are in an era of I think young people now in this country are normalizing having multiple streams of income because they understand that the economic plight that they want to have and their livelihoods that they want to lead cannot just depend on you being an economist that works for a bank you need Mm -hmm. to sort out the ways to to safeguard your income and i think covid has you know taught us that in the most harshest of way that you can't really depend on an organization you know to to maintain your livelihood
0: this is true And I'd say maybe for me, I would say don't hold a lot of cash and maybe put your money in an investment that protects against inflation because there's quite a few options that that can help you with that.
1: True, true. Absolutely. I also do think that um, with investments, you have to be very strategic as to Mm. which one. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you you kind of invest in because there are some where we've seen, for example, with – the, the um, situation at, um, I'm, I'm forgetting this company, Steinoff. Yes. Where a lot of people's investments there, you know, are, are now being questioned as to whether they're either going to get the principal amount or they're either going to get the expected um, yield on their returns. Mm. And so you have to be very, you know, particular as to where it is that you invest. People that are investors that are more risk averse would find themselves you know chilling very comfortably there by the bond market yes <laughs> because they're, there, they're actually there by the bond market like. And just like you know what i'm not, I'm not really a, a, an active investor and i mm. don't want to keep afloat as to what's going on in the market what's going on with the yield in the uk what's going on with the yield in the us what's happening with you know business confidence interval in the economy what's happening in a sector am i making money in buying you know pgms in the mining environment and so, if you're more of a risk, uh, I, I find myself sometimes to double more in the risk-averse um, environment. Mm, conservative. I love- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, feel like you know the only things I, w- I also want to get into prior research and extensive research. Yes, you have about to. a Yes, I think it's it's quite responsible that we do that as investors. Mm. Um, you know, even, even with the bonds, I I could find myself locking myself into an amount that. In 10 years, in a 10-year ten, ten yield, I could have made multiple, like um, double that amount had I gone into buying into a stock, for example. And so I think it, it depends on the preference of a person and their vigor in actually finding out what the, the, the stock means and the price of the stock and then trying to manipulate the market on that. I think it's quite a skill to do. Mm. Um very it's not for everyone. And it's not for everyone. You must have the time, the patience, and you must always engage in the research necessary for you to hold for a long-term whatever that investment would be.
0: Yeah, as I always so say, I yeah, research, research, research before you put your money into anything. Well, part one of this conversation has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Ndombi. Catch part two next week as Ndombi strips down CPI for us and we also have a candid conversation about the trust deficit in the South African economy and what that actually means for us. We'll chat then.